Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and Bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app and use code CHAIL to get in on all the action 
Well, guys, UFC 269 is almost here. And coming up on today's show, Sugar Sean makes a good point about Saturday's main card. I think Justin Gaethje needs to step up, and we've got big news in the world of boxing. All that later in the show, but let's first begin with my immediate reaction to Jose Aldo versus Rob Font. Well, I take it all back. I take everything back that I told you guys that Rob Font was going to have a fear due to respect for Jose Aldo. Rob Font did not give a damn about Jose Aldo, the world championships, the 12 years undefeated, the two-time, I said two-time featherweight champion. Do you hear the way Bruce Buffer introduced Jose Aldo? I mean, it's just this beautiful induction. Rob Font came right across that ring and started a fight. And one thing that has always impressed me with Rob is his speed. He's got that length, but he's got that speed. And when you use and combine those two, and when you understand distance, you are going to be a big problem. Now, tonight was a real treat. It was a treat because we got to see and we got reminded of how great the ground skills of Jose Aldo are in both positions. Rob got a takedown on Jose. That is extremely rare to see. I always think back to Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendes, which we saw on two separate occasions. But based on those fights, strongly, Jose's entire career as a body of work, but specifically those matches with Money Mendez. That's where I came to the conclusion and started saying publicly about Jose that everything George St. Pierre is for a non-wrestler in MMA to be effective offensively, Jose Aldo is just as good as George, but in reverse. It's defensive. Point being, he's very hard to take down. And Chad Mendes really showed that, put that on display. Because I know how good Chad is. That's where I had first-hand knowledge. Can't get Jose Aldo down. So Font gets in. But Font got in because he did mixed martial arts. Font was throwing punches. He changes elevation. He gets in on Jose, drags him down. Jose looks great. He scrambles. He gets back to his feet. Now, there's tells that fighters have. And you've heard about this in poker. You hear about it with liars. You hear about the tells. A tell, a tone, a body language, a movement where you know you got something here. Fighters have tells as well. But those tells aren't just signs of what they're going to do next. Fighters will have tells and body movements for when they personally have become comfortable. Nobody's tell was more obvious than Anderson Silva's. Do you guys remember that? I mean, Joe Rogan would be calling the fight. And Joe, well, you know, Anderson's moving around. And and then you could see when Anderson got, he had the same body language where he would do the same movement. And Joe Rogan would say, oh my, he's just, come on. Keep your eyes closed. Don't blink. This fight's going to be over. The spider's about to go on the attack. You guys remember that? Jose's tell is when he leaves the ground. Jose Alda must leave the ground. He must hit a flying knee where he jumps into the air. That registers something within his own brain. And Jose Aldo, as by the book as he is, as straightforward, he's going to punch, he's going to dip, he's going to throw a leg kick, he's going to do a bunch of it, he's going to keep his chin down and his hands up, as by the book as he is, what makes him so dangerous is that creativity. When he starts getting creative, when he starts being playful, when Mr. Serious isn't the only thing that's in the octagon, but now Mr. Playful is also there, that's when, as an opponent, you have problems. And you even saw it in this fight if you looked for it. If you looked close enough, you saw it. When Jose Aldo left the ground, when he hit the flying knee, that is when he got loose. That's when he started to relax. And quite frankly, that's when those takedowns happened. 
That's that's when those. I got a birthday girl here, guys. I got a birthday girl. Come over here, Priya. We're working now. That's when he got playful, and that's that's when those takedowns and that that defense started to really come into play, and that's where he saw the groundwork, and that's where the treat was. Watching Jose pass, watching him go from side control. One time he jumped into mount. Did you guys see that? Where he brought the hooks inside to push Rob's legs down to build himself a hole, and then he just jumped, and all of a sudden Jose's sitting on his chest. I disagree slightly with the announcers. They were suggesting for you that Jose had done the math in his head and knew, I don't have to beat Rob Font, I just have to beat the clock. This was in the fifth round. I believe I heard the term he's coasting in the fifth round. That's not what I saw. I saw Jose possibly understanding, possibly with less urgency, possibly knowing that he's ahead on this. And that even if he throws a round away, as long as he does not tap out or go out, he's going to get his hand raised. That doesn't mean he coasted to a victory. Sometimes your offense, sometimes your defense. George St. Pierre would talk about this. Even when we train together, you've either got to be active or you've got to be reactive. Those are your only two options. So when you have an entire night of chaos, and it's chaos that's winning you those rounds, but eventually you do, and you've won enough that you don't have to win the last. I don't fully agree that that's coasting. You're going into a different zone. It's one word that I could never use in MMA because I could never find it. I spent my whole career searching for a place to coast. And in the sport of wrestling, I found them. I found them. And if the referee caught me doing it, boom, he calls it stalling. Referee catches me doing it, gets stalling, and a point goes up. You can get disqualified for eating up clock, for not being active. In MMA, I could never find those spots because it was never about scoring points. It was about damaging the opponent, which is the only reason I say I really don't want that cloud over Jose. I really don't want anybody saying that he coasted in the fifth round. I think he picked his spots. I think he was in a position where he gets to be less chaotic and gets to be uh, more calculated and methodical. I just don't know that he should be insulted for that. And I will tell you why we're splitting hairs here and why we get this story extremely accurate. Because the number one contendership is potentially on the line. There has never been opportunity like there is right now at 135 because you got two champions. And I know the sport leads us to believe that those two champions, the interim and the undisputed, must fight each other. I understand that. But we are going to fiercely adhere to the rules that we make up on the spot, right? That's what MMA is. We're still learning. And if Aljo gets held up and Jan goes and takes the fight, then Aljo gets... There is a scenario, as, as unlikely it is, there is a scenario where the interim championship gets defended for the first time ever, which would make me happy because I support the interim championship. I think it's a real championship, just like the BMF, and I think it does deserve a lineage. And then there's a scenario where the undisputed title gets defended, and then you bring those boys together. My only point being, there is opportunity... It could be opportunity times two, but you will be splitting hairs in that division. You think that TJ Dillashaw all of a sudden doesn't matter? Henry Cejudo says he's going to come back, but has yet to tell us what division. And I think we all want this for Jose Aldo. It will be one last hurrah. We got it. But nobody gets to go out like that. Nobody gets to know what the last night is. Nobody gets to work this hard and return to a championship opportunity. We want this for Jose. It looks like Jose's earned it. The problem is, is there's arguments, and there's other guys too. And if the, the narrative that Jose coasted in the fifth round comes back to bite him in the ass, I'm not going to be part of it. It's not what I want. I'm admitting my bias. 
but it's also not what I saw. There was less chaos. There didn't have to be. It was calculated. At no point did I see his heart not beating, sweat not dripping down. At no point did I see Rob Fawn not coming after him. Stalling in many sports is real. In basketball, hell, you can just call timeout. In MMA, there's nowhere to stall. There's nowhere to hide. I don't want this to be the narrative. It's not what I saw. Jose Aldo is that damn good. And quite frankly, guys, Rob Font came as delivered. Rob Font was proper tonight. He did not leave his skills in the back. He did not back down. The lights were too not, uh, not too bright. He ran into somebody who's better at the sport than he is. Simple as that. Awesome fight. I loved it, but let's make sure we tell the story the way that it happened. Now, another thing that happened this weekend, Hazmat Chamaya is on Twitter again, and he's calling out guys left and right, and I'm loving it. Are you guys seeing the back and forth? Chamaya's been red hot on social media in a form of Twitter, and I offer that to you because if you're on Twitter and you're not following Chamaya and you're fight thin, you might want you might want to go and start because he's having some fun and he's throwing some major stones. Now, trouble with Twitter, right? What's real? What's entertainment? It's all supposed to be entertainment. You got anybody on Twitter, they're only telling the truth. They're only saying what happened. That guy's a weird guy. What'd you even get the account for? Come out and entertain us. We're worried about the truth under the unified rules once we get to the fight to the ring. For now, let's have a little fun. Now, I only tell you that because I don't know what in the hell happened here. I only know what was said, which was Nate Diaz made a suggestion to Chemayev, and he did it through Twitter. He said, put Connor against Chemayev. Chemayev's a rookie, and Connor needs a comeback fight anyway. Now, we all know what Nate's trying to do there. Trying to build a little something, get himself back in there with Connor. Well played. No problem with it. Chemayev weighs in on somewhere. Connor comes back, says, yeah, I'll do it. But then Dana gets asked about it. And Dana said, I believe they're moving on from the idea of Diaz versus Chemayev. That was not clearly stated, but that was some of my interpretation. And Dana said, I don't blame it. Nobody wants to fight Chemayev. And then Dana paid Chemayev a bunch of compliments. Called him a savage, called him ruthless, called him these, these beautiful words for the fight world, right? Something none of you would want to be called in your real life, but if you're a cage fighter, under contract, great things to be said by the promoter. But it leads you to another question, which is this. Is it true what we're being told that nobody will fight Chemayev? Is that true? And we have a little evidence that it is. One person has called out Chemayev, and I don't want to hear any of you raising your hand and going, I did it too, Chael. No, you did it. One person called him out that was a real call out, and that was Neil Magny. And there's a couple other tough guys that said they were willing to step in there to do it. That's very different being willing to do it. You get credit for that. But a real straight call out, one guy did it, it was Neil Magny. That fight didn't happen. A little surprising to me. It seemed to me like the history of the sport, if there's only one guy that wants the job, he usually gets the job. That didn't happen here. I don't know why. Jeff Neal spoke up just by example. And a lot of other fighters have also spoke up to lay out the reasons why they aren't going to fight Chemayev. So what do you do if you do get in a situation where nobody wants to fight him? And I will tell you that I find the answer to be very clear. Because as we're pulling out the clues and the actual information that we have, we're being detective work on Chemayev, we have a major one which was laid out by Dana White right after 
Kamar Usman versus Colby Covington, where Dana said, I absolutely will not put Chemayev in there against Kamar Usman right now. I have a plan for him, and he's four fights away. Now, four fights can mean three. Four fights can mean five. That's not a locked-in number, but you get the point. It's going to be at least a year. It's a meaningful amount of time. Three, four, five fights. This is a meaningful amount of time. But that means you got to find three, four, five guys to fight the son of a bitch, which could be a problem that Dana did not know he was going to be confronted with, right? Dana's like anybody else. He has the right to change his mind when he's confronted with new information. So what do you do if this is accurate? What do you do if nobody will fight Chemayev? But Chemayev needs a match. Not to mention Chemayev, double leg takedown. and, a, and a ch That's not the big deal on Chemayev. Everybody's got a double leg takedown. Everybody knows the rear naked choke. It was the marketing plan of Chemayev. It was the experiment. It was back-to-back -back fights in different weight classes, bouncing around, getting no rest, getting in there, anyone, anywhere, anytime. It was that old-school mentality that we all miss so much. And now we're doing the exact opposite. We're keeping the son bitch out? I don't understand that. I would just wouldn't have guessed it. I just wouldn't have guessed you give him Neil Magny. If you had a better idea and you wanted to go in a different direction, sure, you tried to do that, but that, that's as quick as a phone call. That's 15, 20, 25 seconds. What's the text? You want the fight? What If the guy says anything back other than yes, it, the answer is no. I just feel like that, that would be solved and exhausted during your lunch break. During, during your coffee break. I, I don't get it. We're, we're taking 15 and 20 days. Which just tells us there's something there that we don't know. Right? It just tells us there's something there that we don't know. Now, I have a couple of suggestions. Number one is 185 pounds. I'm not totally sure why we got locked into 170. The record's the same. Two unranked wins at 170, two unranked opponents at 185. They all got one thing in common, which is they didn't put a scratch on him, and they didn't make it out of the first round. So if we got more willingness at 185, maybe we need to look at 185. Somebody else's decision, but maybe, maybe is a fair word by me. And secondly, if nobody will fight the damn guy, then tear up this, this four-fight business. We got to revise that. There's a lot of ways to beat a guy, but if you can do it psychologically and you never have to get out there, Dan Henderson had a great line one time, which is Dan was in a bar with somebody and the guy said, hey, Dan, if I get in some trouble, you know, will you walk over there and beat this guy down for me? And Dan simply said, why do I need to beat him down when I can stare him down? And that rule of life doesn't go away. If you can stare a guy down and he backs down, it is the art of war because the great generals never fire a shot. They don't need to. They align their troops and make the other people retreat. And if Chemayev is successfully doing that, if less than 20 minutes of action, three double legs, a rear naked choke, and a left hook, if that's going to scare an entire division away in the ultimate fighting champion, then shame on them. Fair play by Chemayev. Every sport in the world that's done with any kind of competitive architecture has a forfeit clause. Somebody should have to walk out there. People chicken out all the time in all sorts of sports. But the contest is still held and the victor and the movement on throughout the architecture still takes place. We don't get held up. So what is going on with Shemaya? And this has been tested one other time. This was tested through Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez was so good and so respected within his own gym, nobody would fight him. The word on Kane got around. I mean, Kane was going to Russia for fights. 
Kane's going into Mexico. Kane's having to fight outside the country because the U.S. had already figured out. He can't get fights in the U.S. He can't get them in Canada. He can't get them in Brazil. He's having to go to locations that he's hoping doesn't have the internet, and he gets like three or four fights, and the whole world hears. You could telephone, telegraph, or telefighter, the word's going to get out. So you get one gym known as the AKA, and these rumors start circling about this guy, this wrestler from Arizona State, who's now in the gym over there. I mean, it was legendary, some of the rumors on Kane, but nobody would fight him. And Javier Mendez called up Dana White, and he said just that, Dana, I have a guy. I have not asked you for a favor, but I have a guy who I believe is the best in the world. I can't get him a fight. He doesn't generally qualify for what you're looking for to be under contract with you now, and you're going to have to take my word. But I need you to do it because I can't get him a fight. Dana said, I'll, I, I, I can make guys fight him. I can get him a fight. Signed him up, and sure enough, he's as good as Coach Mendes said he was. Went on to the World Championship. Showed the whole world what that little Jim had seen. So there is a way to deal with this. And if Chemayev can back down an entire division, I don't think we need to stay quiet about that. I don't think if, if I'm doing the matchmaking and I'm getting those phone calls and guys left, right, and center are turning this guy, I don't give a goddamn what your reason is. He's not ranked. He's not. I, who cares? Because none of that's true. None of that's true. Every fighter has one job. Fight the easiest guy for the most amount of money. And when you get done, go find the next easiest guy for the most amount of money. You have no other job. Now, eventually, that's going to be iron on top of iron, but you still come down to two or three guys. And amongst those two or three guys, as great as they are, one of them you deem to be the easiest. That's the guy you go and fight. So if he's backing down an entire division, I have a hard time believing that's true. I have not called Colby Covington. I'm giving him some space. He just got his heart broke, but there's no part of, zero part of my being that believes that Colby has ever been offered that fight or would say no if he was offered that fight. I know Blahal Muhammad will not turn down that fight. I know Neil Magny is asking for that fight. I know Jeff Neal has spoken up and will go and do that fight. I know for sure Kevin Holland will do that fight. But the experiment that is Chemayev, that is back-to-back, -back, that is changing, that is rotating weight classes, appears we don't want to do the weight class change anymore. We want to lock him in. We want to get him a ranking. We want to move him at 170. Okay, fine. I don't know why. I, have no, I don't have the foggiest idea why. But okay. That's what we're going to do. And Chael, who hasn't talked to anybody, just produced four names that will take the fight. If I'm wrong, if those guys are pandering, if behind the scenes those guys need a little more time, if behind the scenes, oh, they, you know, my shoulder's hurting me, right? If those guys are secretly chickens and I don't know about it, then we got to revise the four fights. we got to revise that business. Forfeiture counts. Art of war matters at everything in life. If Chemayev is backing guys down psychologically... Boy, that would disappoint me. What, what a bunch of chickens, if that's the case. But if it is, move him on through. Did it with Cain Velasquez. It's the only example that I can give you. I remember when Glover Teixeira came into the sport, though. Glover came with a whole bunch of hype. He had like 22 wins in a row. 
He lost a match to short fuse Ed Herman, and then he it was 17 in a row. It was 20 in a row. It was 23 in a row. So unbelievable run that Glover went on, and nobody would fight him. And that is disappointing to me. I realize the sport used to have tough guys. I get it. I talked about one. It's right here. Tank Abbott. Real tough guys. Not just physically tough. Mentally, tough guy. And I realize those guys are fewer and fewer. But if you're telling me we have a division known as 170 that doesn't have any tough guys, it's something that as a viewer I feel I deserve to know. Coming up next, we found out some news on Monday regarding Jake Paul's next boxing fight. I'll talk about that next. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. The long-awaited battle between Oliveira and Poirier is on this Saturday at UFC 269. Fists will fly, which is great for you because new DraftKings Sportsbook customers can bet just $1 and win a hundred in free bets if either fighter lands one punch. That's all it takes. One jab, a cross, a hook, uppercut, haymaker, a hammer fist. The lightweight title bout is scheduled for five rounds, and I can't imagine it goes the distance without a punch being landed. So bet just $1 on a no-brainer and win $100 in free bets. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code CHAIL. Throw down just $1 on the UFC 269 main event and win $100 in free bets if Oliveira or Poirier land a single punch. That's code CHAIL. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, guys, some of you may or may not know this, but one of my enjoyments is chewing tobacco. I've been dipping for as long as I can remember and buying from the same company forever. But recently, I was introduced to a tobaccoless alternative. Trust me, I was skeptical at first, but I gave it a try. Black Buffalo, to my surprise, gave me the same experience, but without the tobacco leaf or stem. If you're 21 or older, if you dip or chew tobacco pouches or long cut, I highly recommend you try this tobacco alternative. Black Buffalo is everything you love about dipping, including pharmaceutical grade nicotine, just without the actual tobacco leaf or stem. First impressions where it tasted powerful and honestly had a supreme quality to it. The dip itself made from edible green leaves and food grade ingredients with the same flavor, texture, aroma, moistness, and nicotine that traditional tobacco true products offer. Black Buffalo did not compromise. If you're into flavors, they produce a variety like wintergreen, mint, straight, peach, which is my favorite, and even blood orange. It's available in both long cut and pouches. I'm a pouches guy, as well as nicotine free versions called Zero. So if you just get comfort from the feeling of chewing, you can go for the Zero version. You guys know, I'm into supporting US based companies. 
This company was born in the Midwest and raised in the South. Black Buffalo proudly manufactures all of their products right here in the U.S. of A. I used to use traditional chewing tobacco, but I found Black Buffalo. I'm glad there's finally a high quality, supreme tasting alternative to chewing tobacco. This product has changed my life. Try it. I did. It's my new brand. If you are one of 10 million people who are 21 or older and dip tobacco, consider making the switch to Black Buffalo. It's everything you love about dipping, just without the actual tobacco leaf or stem. Head to blackbuffalo.com. Use the promo code CHAIL at checkout for 25% off your first order. That's the best offer you can find, but you have to use my code CHAIL for 25% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code CHAIL to save 25% off your first order. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. There is a lot of moving parts here, guys, starting with the fact that this is the biggest mistake Jake Paul has ever made. Before we get to that, one thing that has stopped Jake Paul is being welcomed into the community. And I don't know if, I'd love to ask Jake this question. Hey, Jake, did you know how hard it would be to break in with the actual hardcores, with the boys in the locker room and the fans in the stands? Did you know that was going to be hard? Did you think you could just raise your hand, get a license, step in there, and all of a sudden you're in the fight community, which quite frankly is probably how it should work. I'm a little surprised at the resistance that people get given, but I've seen it everywhere. We saw CM Punk go through it, just to offer a fighter example. We saw Todd Grisham go through it as an announcer. Todd was working hard, showing up, looked great, prepared, professional, excited to be there, did a fantastic job, in my opinion, and people resisted him. Stephen A. Smith was resisted when he broke over and started participating. Where you think we would welcome that kind of attention? For some reason, we don't. you got to prove yourself. There's something that you have to do. Whether it's traveling the roads or pitching in or fill in the blank. There's something that you have to do before we welcome and accept you. And Jake Paul has been greatly resisted. Jake Paul absolutely is part of this community. Jake Paul is one of us. And 10 years from now, could really be making contributions back to the sport. If Jake wanted to get into promoting or Jake wanted to get into managing, Jake has those abilities because of the platforms that he's given. So let's see where that all goes with Jake, but I really do think you have to know and understand this because Jake is listening to you. You guys are saying he's afraid to fight anybody real, so he steps in there with Ben Askren, who is not only an Olympian for the country, a national championship uh, for the country, he won two, I said two, world championships in prominent organizations in two different weight classes. So then when that fight gets done, people say, well, that's not what Ben does. Ben does a buck. They took away from Jake. So Jake gets back in there with another future Hall of Famer and this time former world champion in Tyron Woodley. Jake gets to jump on him. Story comes out that it was a fixed fight. It was fixed in regards to there was a contract or a clause within said contract that said Tyron Woodley could knock out, could not knock out Jake Paul. I have the foggiest idea if that is true. I know what I believe, which is absolutely it's not, and that's absurd and ridiculous, but I can't prove it. So now that Jake Paul has come out, He's going to take on, and this is before the change, he's going to take on Will Fury. Will Fury has a name. 
He also has the youth that so many of you had as a prerequisite to allowing Jake in the door, allowing Jake into the club. Okay, he's got the name. He doesn't have the record, right, in terms of who he fought, but he is a real boxer. That was another thing, real boxer. He's got a brother behind him. He's got a father. Everything is right. He's going to go and fight Fury. Jake never blinked his eyes once. Fury did. And you're a real fighter or you're not. And by the way, fighters take great offense to this, but I don't think you guys would. I don't think that's an insult to not be a real fighter. How many people are? It's not like you get anything for it. Maybe you get a little bit of respect, a little bit of prestige. That's something real to a lot of men, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. Some of the greater people I know in life wouldn't qualify in the category of great fight. Right? It's just, it's one of these things. But if that title is important to you, there's things that you have to do. Look, Will's not a real fighter. He has some skills. He's been in there. He's got a lineage. He's got a family. His big brother's a real fighter. His pops is a real fighter. He's not. And he got tested here. And that's okay. The lights were too bright. They were too bright from the jump. It was obvious the lights were too bright when he didn't sign the contract in the first place. It was obvious the lights were too bright when his father and brother did the lion's share of the media for him. It was obvious the lights were too bright. At the press conference where Jake Paul is not even present and Will didn't do it by himself. He brought help. I never in my life have seen such a thing. He shows up with his brother for good reason. He shows up with his father, and the greatest quips of the whole thing came from the brother, and they came from the father. They weren't done from Will. But when Will needed his hand held on stage to hold a goddamn microphone, the gig is up. This isn't for you. And there's no hard feelings. Will has other skills and talents. I, I'm, I'm putting two minutes of insults on Will. I could put five minutes of praise on him, but he's got other interests. He's going in a different direction. And when Will pulled out of this fight that he never wanted to do in the first place, refused to sign a contract promptly in a timely fashion for it, got the fight delayed, and then showed up with family member to hold a microphone on a continent where his opponent wasn't even was, he wasn't going to do the fight. So now he's pulled out and he put out his medical report. He's got something with his lung. He's got something with his rib. Guys, I don't want to dismiss that. If somebody's not feeling good, I want them to feel good. But I can't tell the story any other way than to tell you any other fighter, any real fighter, would have not only pushed through that and dealt with it, you never would have known. You never would you put out your own medical report. George Mosvill went through this three weeks ago just as a frame of reference. And to this day, we don't know what's bothering George because he's not a punk. He's not looking for sympathy from you. He's not looking for you, oh, George, by golly, it's okay. It's not okay. George is the first to tell you, I signed a contract. Never in my life have I ever backed out of a fight. I'm backing out of this one. So congrats to Leon. My business is my business. I don't really give a damn what the rest of you think. That is how a man would handle it. It's not how Will Fury handled it. He wanted you to know that his lungs are hard and his, he's, this isn't for him. But at the same time, it's not for him. We now have found out who the real fighters are, and Jake Paul's one of them. This is the biggest mistake of Jake Paul's short career. Absolutely, without question, this is the biggest risk he could possibly take. To fight Tyron Woodley, who, by the way, is training all the time. I saw Tyron on TV at the Triller event two weeks ago. He looked fantastic. You know when a guy's not training, he gains weight. Tyron who always looks like he's carved out of stone, look the same way as you guys are used to. Now, that's very relevant because Jake's not coming and getting a softball down the middle. 
He got in a very hard fight against his number one rival who was completely motivated to fight and defeat him, and Jake's not even thinking about the guy. And Jake's willing to step on because he follows the golden rule of show business, which is the show must go on. So while I tell you it's a huge mistake of Jake, I am right. But it's because he's willing to make that mistake anyway that you must accept him into the club. He doesn't have to beat Tyron Woodley. He already did. What he does have to do is show up. What he does have to do is show a respect to the rest of the car who's counting on that paychecks and whose holidays are going to be very different if Jake is or is not there. What he does have to do is show a respect to Showtime, who's taken all the risk, believed him, and set this goddamn thing up in the first place. And he did. He absolutely did. As a matter of fact, Jake went one step further, which is to tell Tyron Woodley, I'm going to give you $500,000 if you do knock me out. Now, you guys are hearing that, and Jake's reporting that, but Jake didn't tell you why he's saying that. He's saying that because of this, this internet sensation that is some kind of a belief that Tyron was restricted from knocking Jake out. This is Jake's way of telling you how silly that is. As a matter of fact, I'll give him another half a million bucks if he does knock me out. Everything here is wrong for Jake which we love guys that do things that are wrong. We don't like guys that need a full training camp and the weight's got to be this and the fight's got to be over here and I won't go over there, but I will over here. And I need this many corner and I got to stay in this hotel. If there's any reason you don't want to do it, no problem. You're just not one of us. You're just not. Jake is. And that's all I'm trying to tell you guys. And he's proven it right now. Right now. Jake's inclusion into our little elitist community, because once you get in, you never get out, right? We don't have somebody that's, that's one of us, and then we throw him, what? never. We'll bong him around ourselves. We'll deal with the guy and smack him and give him tough love ourselves, but we don't let anybody else do it. And once he's in, he's never out. And I'm telling you guys, Jake is in. I'm bringing him in. This is it. This is not an opinion piece anymore. Jake is now one of us, Period. Period without throwing a punch, just by stepping in and being willing to do this. Not to mention the deck is stacked against him tremendously. Have any idea how motivated Tyron Woodley is? Tyron Woodley has a tattoo. In the neighborhood that Tyron Woodley came from, do you know how hard that is to do? And Tyron did it. And it wasn't just to honor a bet, because Tyron's a man of his word. It's to look down and have a built-in motivation, which he does 24-7, and he's thinking about this guy. It's a huge mistake by Jake. Huge. And I'm not making a prediction on the fight yet. By the way, I'm not saying at all to you Jake's going to lose this fight, not even a little bit. I'm, I want you to understand the risk that he's taking. And I also want you to understand why he's taking it. It's selfless. Jake is going to get nothing. He's going to get some money. He's already got money. He's going to get a little bit of fame. He's got fame. He's looking out for the rest of the boys and girls on the card who aren't getting a paycheck next weekend if he doesn't show up. He's looking out for Showtime, a company who believes... This is a cool move by Jake, guys. It's a very cool move. And look at what a difference a day makes for T-Wood. You back the tape up. Well, it, it was within the last year. T-Wood's out of a job. He's out of the organization that built him. Lands on his feet. Gets that first Paul fight. Big, beautiful paycheck. It was disclosed. We all saw what it was. Got to get a tattoo. Result didn't go the way he wanted, but Tyron stayed on his feet. He stayed positive. He stayed motivated. He stayed in the gym. And now another opportunity has presented himself. This will be a year where Tyron makes as much money as he did in the prime of his career. It's a very beautiful and sweet story in terms of that. This is where the niceness ends. Now things are going to get real tough. 
the Queensberry rules of boxing are very tough. You have two hands. You can take them anywhere above the waist, anywhere. Hit them in the body, hit them in the kidney, hit them in the liver, hit them in the chest, hit them in the head. They're very vicious. So let's get the nice guy stuff out of the way. Let's understand full well, T would answer the phone and put himself in a position and stayed in shape that he's in striking distance to make weight and go out there and compete. He gets full credit for that. How many other alleged pros don't do that? Could never take a fight on short notice. And then you've got Jake, who's taking the biggest risk. I'm calling it a mistake. I'm calling it a mistake. The biggest mistake. If you don't agree with me on that word, we can all at least agree risk. Jake's taking the biggest risk of his career. Look, everybody here wins. These guys did a great, great job. But you, the community, needs to understand. Jake is now part of it. And we treat people differently once they've proven themselves and they're part of it. Let's see how this fight goes. More to come. It's interesting. It's the right match. Give Will a break, by the way. Most of you wouldn't want to get in there with, with Paul either. You'd only pretend you would. Will made it public. He doesn't. Give him a pass. He's not a fighter. So what? <laughs>
I do care who our main event is. I do care who our co is. I do care what our main card is. But I don't care what they're ranked at all. And I care about the outcome, whether you win or lose. If you lose to the number two ranked guy while well, you're ranked number 14, I'm not going to give you a pass and go, well, yes, of course. But it was a great degree of separation between the two rankings. I'm not. I expect you to win. And if you don't, I'm not going to want to come and talk about you next week. I'm not going to invite you on my show the next week. I will go to an unranked guy who was on the same card and won. And I'm not being a dick for doing that. That's just how the sport works. Now, that's got give and take. You're going to have your moments where you are talked about and invited. You're going to have your moments where you're not. You're going to tip your hat. Let the opponent have it. That's the way the sport works. But it does come down to placement on the card. It comes down to winning or losing. Nothing has to do with what you're ranked. And Sean O'Malley brings up an excellent point. And I don't know what's keeping those two apart. It is not fear. Many people would think it's fear by Dominic for not accepting the challenge of Sean O'Malley. You cannot call Dominic Cruz scared at anything. He begged to fight Henry Cejudo. He begged to fight TJ Dillashaw. He begged to fight Uriah Faber. I mean, just in all fairness, Dom's not. But if you think you're going to goat Dom into something, Dom marches to a beat of a different drum. And I don't know what it's going to take to get him to tick. Maybe he just doesn't think you asked him politely enough. Maybe he doesn't think you want the opportunity quite enough. That wouldn't matter to most guys. It might matter to Dom. Dom is his own guy. I worry about him. I worry about him because I fully believe in this sport as a fighter, you find the biggest fight against the easiest opponent. You do that at all times. And I firmly believe that your number one job is to make sure you have a job to come back to tomorrow. Now, that does matter in the history of our sport. If you are a main eventer and you get beat, you don't have to worry about getting a pink slip. You're not going to return to the main event. You're going to go down. Now, you've got co-main event opportunities. Or you go down further and you've got main card opportunities. Once you go to the undercard, any slip, you are eligible to be released. And I only bring that to you because Dom is as meaningful, he is as important, he is as damn good as Sugar Sean said that he was, but he's low on the card. Any mistake could be your last night. Any. I don't know that Dom sees it that way. I do not know that Dom feels those pressures. I do not know that Dom knows he needs to get himself back onto the main card where he belongs. And he could have done that very easily by fighting Sean O'Malley, but he didn't do it. I know Dom didn't not take that fight out of fear. And I think any reasonable person, we can agree. But why didn't he do it? Dom's a fighter in the Ultimate Fighting Championship at 135 pounds. And by the way, he's the star of Arizona. Sugar Sean O'Malley is a fighter, signed to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Also from Lost Count, State of Arizona. <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying here. Like That makes all the sense in the world. Those two fighting makes all the sense in the world. And I'll throw myself in here. I was very helpful from this. I was on ESPN with Michael Bisping, and I'm holding my phone. I said, I just got a text from Dominic Cruz. He wants to fight Sean O'Malley. Well, that worked. That was great. Great job by me. That got cut off, and that went through social media, and the whole world was talking about it, and Bisping's going crazy when he hears about it, and John Anik absolutely loves the idea. I mean, boom, here was the opportunity. Sean said, yes, I don't believe that Dom was offered that fight. I know we are led to believe by certain comments by certain individuals in the sport that Dom was offered that fight and turned it down. I don't believe that. 
I tried to make that match in Submission Underground. By example, Dom agreed in way less than one second. Sean agreed in way less than one second. Turned out Sean's wife got news of when the pregnancy was due. Sean didn't want to take the risk of being out of town. I'm only sharing with you personal. I'm putting myself into this. But when I had a behind the scenes that none of you ever would have heard about, these t- they were all they were all for it. So I don't believe at all that Dominic was off for the fight. Why not? What am I missing here? That's an amazing fight. Not to mention it serves what we try to serve within this sport, which is you get a guy nice and shined up, which Dom is, and he either proves it or he passes that shine on to the next younger guy. You may not like it, but that's what the sport is, and Dom understands those things. And it pulls him back up to the main card, which gives him room to fall. You stub your toe on the undercut, it's a slippery slope. They've tried to write Dom off before. They, the pundits within the sports media, they did that in his last fight with Casey. Dom not only won the fight, he won every round of the fight. He looked great. I'm just asking a question, guys. I don't have an overall point here. What is going on? Why has Dom not been offered that fight? Am I wrong? Do you have information that I don't have? He was offered the fight and didn't want it. Maybe it's too much pressure. Maybe the Arizona tie-in against a younger guy, maybe it's too much pressure. That would stun me, though. I would be stunned. And Sean O'Malley is asking the same question I'm asking. And he's asking it just as politely as I'm asking it. Why don't you want back on the main card? You certainly belong here. You're a lot more accomplished than me. But I'm here. Simple question. Again, don't have an overarching point. But I do feel sometimes in the sport, things are so obvious and they're right in front of us. I must have missed it. I must have missed what happened here. I feel that way with the, the Adesanya Whitaker fight. Something happened that I don't know about. I just learned that those two are lined up for February. Since when? When did they agree to fight? When was that fight done? How come I didn't hear it? So every now and then, I, attached as I am, I miss something. I'm asking you, as it pertains to Sugar Sean and Dominic Cruz, did I miss something? All right, all eyes on 155. There are so many questions at 155 pounds. And there's so many moving parts, right? If Dustin Poirier goes out there and gets cleaned up uh, by Oliveira. Like, this is not just Poirier versus Oliveira, okay? First, you must understand that. If Poirier goes and gets cleaned up by Oliveira, it is going to be reflection on Conor McGregor. It's going to be a very negative reflection upon Conor McGregor. If Oliveira beats Poirier... It's going to be reflection and a very negative uh, reflection on Khabib. Khabib was in the discussion three months ago for the greatest fighter of all time. It was Khabib versus George St. Pierre. Khabib has been removed and Usman has been put in. And that is not just because Usman fought most recently in a huge media tour because he fought at the Mecca in New York. It's not. A lot of it has to do with the fact that Khabib's lineage is not being passed on. And Khabib is trying to get back to that full throttle through the form vicariously of Islam. But just so you guys understand the psychology, this is not purely Khabib loves Islam and it's selfless. Khabib is trying to get that belt back to him damn self, which another way he can do it is through Poirier. It's very relevant though, because I don't think you're paying attention to it. I don't think you knew until I brought it to you. It does matter. If Khabib left the sport and he fought at the same time as another guy who is a perceived problem, 
And the other guy, by the way, happens to be older and happened to be active, and they didn't meet up, but Khabib left anyway. It just creates the question. And you can dismiss it, and you can say it's silly. I'm saying you can make the question not even be asked if somebody from Khabib's lineage, anyone from 0 to 29, grabs the belt after Khabib leaves. It favors Khabib. If Poirier becomes the champion, it will make a, a bright light on Khabib. And now we have Dana White, who has confirmed Justin Gaethje to be the number one contender. Now, I realize, I realize that Ray Charles could see that coming when Islam got matched up with Benny. But Dana has finally spoken the words. So what do you do from a marketing standpoint at the conclusion of Oliveira versus Poirier? For me, it's a real treat when you bring the number one contender into the ring. When we know who the number one contender is ahead of time, and we have them at the arena, and we bring them into the ring, the ring, for me, it's a treat. However, these guys aren't as smart as the brains that God gave geese. So they screw it up every time. By example, hey, dum-dum, I'm going to fly you out and put you in the front row. And since you're the number one contender, dum-dum, I'm going to put you in the ring in front of the world and start the marketing as soon as this fight ends. I don't know who you're going to be in there with, but you're going to be in there with one of them. Do you understand, dum-dum? Yes, I understand. Okay, the fight's over. Come on into the ring. By the way, we're live around the world. That's what these cameras are. And the microphone there is for you to say something in. And the guy gets there. He has nothing to say. He doesn't know where the cameras are. He doesn't know what an eye line is. He doesn't know how to grab the thing. He doesn't drop a quip. He doesn't use anything that you could use anywhere. He makes it cringeworthy. It becomes awkward and it demotes a fight. It shouldn't. The boxing world seems to get it. Vince McMahon keeps the lights on because of ideas like this. But with an MMA, these guys can't figure out you were brought here, told ahead of time you're going to say something, and not show up prepared with something to say. How? How could that happen? And then it ends up being cringeworthy. Then it ends up, they get in there, oh, man, you look great tonight. I just want to congratulate you. It's, it's going to be such an honor to get in there with you. And everybody's going, man, oh, Jiminy Christmas. Really? Really? That's what you used in your moment? That's how you handled it. They got away from it from years. What I just laid out for you is exactly how they used to close shows before they faded to black and rolled the credits. They went away from it for years, and then they came in when they had an actual professional in the form of Brock Lesnar. Get Brock in here against Daniel or against DC, whoever's got the belt. Get a microphone. Brock will take it from here. And sure as hell, he did. It was staged. He Remember when he gave Daniel the push? the little push, and Daniel acts like he's a bowling ball and flies back and hits five cornermen like it's pins knocking down. I get it. It was still something to see. The words were real. The body language was solid. The tone and intensity is what I'm after. I don't really give a goddamn how you say it, or at least what you say. I care about how you're saying it. Do you have the look in your eye? And if you don't, you're not doing any promoting. You're demoting. If you find yourself smiling, if you find yourself giving him the bro hug, if you find yourself complimenting his performance or ever saying the word, share the octagon, or it was an honor, or I can't wait and tell, or if you find yourself thanking anybody, specifically the promotion, you failed at your job. So what is your other option? If you have a number one contender and you're a promoter, you must use that. There's a reason that the number one contender was just named by the boss as a lead-in 
to the title fight so that when you come out, you have the story. So they're going to use Gaethje in some capacity. What do you do? Can we trust him like we did Lesnar? Because current Justin Gaethje is red hot, and my belief is no. Promotions is that we've been burned too many times. Too many times you guys have gotten in here and massaged each other's ego and made people not want to see you fight. I'm not going to do that. I submit for you, make an exception, Justin Gaethje can be counted on. Justin Gaethje can be uh, trusted, and Justin Gaethje is not being nice. Justin Gaethje has not been nice in five months. New Justin Gaethje does not give a damn. That's an awesome Justin Gaethje. I suggest for you, we make an exception. I suggest not only do we make an exception, I suggest Ali get on the phone with Justin, make a conference call over the production department, and tell them we want it face-to-face right after this fight. That's what I hope. Because your other option is you stick him in the crowd, you pan to him, and you let Anakin, the announce team, carry it from there. Which isn't bad. It's not bad. There's your story. There's your payoff. You could also run him in the back. Put the backdrop, have Megan toss to him at the end of the show. You can. I just submit for you, when you have the right players, when you have actual partners, when you have actual people that it's not an honor for, and they're not looking to pat each other on the back and tell them good job, they want to fight them. They cannot wait to fight them under the unified rules. Bring them in and let the audience in on it. I don't think they're going to use Justin in that capacity, but I know Justin watches this show. And my advice to Justin is get Ali, get on the phone, and let them know you want an in-the-ring face-off. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If it's your first time listening, first of all, where have you been? But secondly, please give the podcast a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows. I'm off to Vegas for the fights, but I promise I'll be back here on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.